Trinity Church, we're so glad you're tuning in with us. We are getting ready to worship in just a few moments. I am your host. My name is Hilke Hilkema. I'm the family pastor. We also have an online host uh, on our YouTube live chat. You can simply uh, find that on your computer. There's a little button, live chat, on our YouTube channel. That is a great way to engage with us. I don't know if you're used to saying an amen or, or shouting out during, during worship, but that is a great way just to engage with your church community uh, virtually. Uh, I know we can't meet together, but that is the best we've got right now. So please, I encourage you to uh, engage with our online hosts. Let's get ready to worship and, and join our worship team as we sing praises to our God, declaring his worth and our thanks to him. Let's worship now. Well, welcome today. We are going to start our time of singing off with this song of testimony that just talks about when Christ was raised, we were raised with him and, and we have eternal life and we are found in him. So let's sing this out together as people who are chosen by God. I was buried beneath my shame Who could carry that kind of weight It was my turn Till I met you I was breathing but
Oh, come on. We all needed rescue. I needed rescue. My sin was heavy. But chains break out the weight of your glory. I needed shelter. I was an orphan. Now you call me citizen of heaven. When I was broken.
can believe the words that Jesus said when he said he would never leave us or forsake us. Let's sing this together. sets free is free indeed. Think about those words for just a moment. Those are incredible words of affirmation of who you are if you are a follower of Jesus. You are a child of God. You are forgiven. You are free. These are incredible truths that should bring you courage that should lift up your spirits, even in this season that we find ourselves um, today. And as we continue our worship service, our prayer is, is that it would continue to, to transform you, continue to encourage you as you faithfully follow Jesus, rooted in him, so you can be reaching your world. I want to draw your attention to three things. The first thing is this. If you are new with us, you might be tuning in and you've never even set foot in, in, on our campus. And, 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 and that's great. We're so excited that, that you are tuning in with us. And we'd love to make a connection with you. We'd love to uh, start a relationship, uh, though for now it is virtual, it, it is absolutely um, our privilege to, to make a connection. So fill out the little new card. You just simply scan the QR code on your screen with your phone, and a link will pop up that will direct you to the new card. There's also a link in the YouTube video description area, and you can follow that too. But we'd love to, uh, to start a relationship and to make a connection with you. The second thing I want to point out is, is prayer. If you have needs 
you have burdens, you have things that, uh, that you are carrying around, we want to come around you as a church family and lift you up in prayer. We want to be the community that God has designed us to be, that God has designed you to be a part of. And one of the expressions of that is that we pray together. Again, scan the QR code, follow the link, fill out the prayer request, and we want to pray for those things with you. And that is a commitment we want to make. If there are praises, we would love to hear about those too, of course. And feel free to jot those down there also. The third thing is this. As we worship together, another expression of our worship is through giving. And there's a third QR code that says give. Scan that with your phone. Follow the link. And, and you are able to give back of what God has given you and, and, and give a portion back to him through that giving link, and, and we'd love to, uh, to do that. And we, we're absolutely grateful for your generosity and your faithfulness in that. Um, I want to continue our service and, and, and pray together for just a moment be, before we hear from Pastor Todd. And we want to pray uh, for, for our extended family, our, 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 our uh, global workers that are spread out across the globe. So would you bow your head in prayer with me? Father God, we thank you for who you are. And we thank you for who we are. That we are truly set free. We are your children. If we are in Christ, if we have received your gift of forgiveness, we are yours. We are your children. And Lord, I pray that that would give us courage. That that would, that would fill us with faith. It would fill us with confidence in you. Father, we pray for the Winklers as they serve in Asia. Lord, we thank you for their many years of faithful ministry and service to you. As, that, as they have raised up many who have also gone out and as, your, as your workers spread out across Asia. And Lord, we even think of a recent student who graduated, now going back to the jungle to, to be able to teach the people there and, and, and share of your love. Lord, we just pray that, that you would use um, the Winklers mightily and continue to bless their work. And it's in Christ that we pray. Amen. Join with us now as we join Pastor Todd as he shares from God's Word. Trinity Church, it is great to see you today. My name is Todd Arnett. I'm the lead pastor. And I just want to thank you for inviting us into your home. Now, some of you might be in different rooms, maybe not in your living room, maybe on a phone, on the TV, but whatever mode you're using today, I just want to say thank you for making this a part of your weekend and being here with us online. So we just are grateful for the things that God is doing uh, in your lives. We're hearing great stories, and I want to share to you today what we're hearing from God's Word related to who He's called us to be, our identity, and what that looks like when we engage it. So we're glad you're here with us. If you need notes for today, you'll note at the bottom of this YouTube uh, page, there's a descriptions area, and you'll note there's a link there to pull those up. So go ahead and do that if you haven't already. If you have a Bible today, if you want to open it to 1 Peter, and we're finally in chapter 2. So make your way there, and we'll be ready to dive in a little bit together in a minute. 
Well, uh, every week in this recent season uh, and in this series, you join us today in a series called A People Prepared. And within that, um, we're excited to be able to uh, look together. And what we've been doing is we've been having some what we call yay God moments and just talking about um, things that we're excited about what God is doing in and through the people of Trinity Church. One of those things I wanted you to know is that we've been looking for opportunities to be a blessing to our community, to be good neighbors. And one thing that really was awesome that came to us a week ago was the American Red Cross asked us if we would be a blood donation site. And so we've been working on details, and I'm happy to tell you that on Wednesday, June the 3rd, and on Wednesday, June the 24th, we're going to have a blood drive at Trinity Church. Now, I know there's still a lot of questions about what we're doing. Blood drive is considered an essential service and obviously very essential to the people in healthcare crisis who need blood right now. And that's all going to be set up via appointments, no walk-ins. So we'll get you more information, but I just wanted that for those of you who are able, for those of you who are available, we'd love for you to give blood. We'd love for Trinity Church to be one of the, the really the major donors here in our area to be able to help those with need. Another thing I wanted to let you know about that I'm excited about, um, I began um, last week with just what I'd call a soft opening with a fun thing on Sunday afternoons called Todd and Friends. And what I'm just doing on three o'clock on my own Instagram um, uh, site is I've been doing an Instagram live and I'm going to have some fun over the next few weeks interviewing some of my friends. And they're friends of yours as well. You'll note this Sunday, our friend Ray Johnston from Bayside Church. Ray is going to be on Instagram live with me. I'm going to ask him some questions, let him share. He is just one of the best encouragers on the planet. So even if you just need a shot of encouragement, join us today, uh, the 26th at 3 p.m. on Instagram live. And we'd love to just interact with you and just have a good time hearing how God is using Bayside, what God's doing in Ray Johnson's life, and I know it's going to be a great encouragement to you. So as we dive in today, what we're doing is uh, we're in this book of 1 Peter during this season, and as we are, what we're doing is we're weekly finding some things about who God has called us to be. The title of this series is A People Prepared, because I absolutely believe that one of Trinity's greatest resources is you. We have an amazing people resource, and as a result, even though we're distant right now from one another physically, we're tuning in weekly, we have our weekly streaming schedule, all things to continue to help you be better rooted in Jesus as you're reaching your world. So that's what I'm going to do today, is I want to specifically encourage you in some ways that you can grow in those areas of being rooted in Jesus and reaching your world, and I'm excited to see the way that God is using you in this time and space. So, so far where we're at in the series is we've been looking at this book written by the Apostle Peter, one of Jesus' 12 disciples. And Peter says his audience are a group of scattered exiles who live in what we call modern-day Turkey now. Within that, what we've seen, here's been the progression of the book, three words that begin with the letter H. It's been a calling to hope. Peter says that their hope is in Christ. He's outside of all of the circumstances that they're facing and that they need to continue to put their confidence in him. The second word is he also calls them to holiness. He says that as their father is holy, so they as, as God's children are called to be a holy people as well. And then at the end of chapter one into chapter two, he shifts the focus and he begins to talk about harmony. Harmony. 
Meaning where the focus was very vertical, them and their walk with the Lord, now it's this way, it's horizontal as he's talking about their relationships with one another. And we saw that harmony especially expressed through that idea of agape love, that selfless, active love that they're to have for one another. Today, where we pick it up is we see some powerful descriptors of what Peter says, this is whose you are now that you're in Christ. And as a result, this is how you ought to live, what you ought to engage as your purpose now that you know your identity. So let's take a look like we do every week at our now what statement. Now that you know whose you are, celebrate and communicate God's greatness to your world. Process that for just a minute. Now that you know whose you are, celebrate and communicate God's greatness to your world. In your notes, let's dive in with number one today. As a child of God, you're included into his household. As a child of God, you're included into his household. We pick it up today in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. You've been doing a great job. I can hear you when you're reading loud. Read it with me out loud. Here we go. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. It's a powerful passage. There's a lot that we're saying right out of the gate today. Remember where we left off last week? It was Peter's call to his readers to remind them that they are in the family of God. They're actually loved as these spiritual babies. And he calls them to crave spiritual milk. And, and in doing so, to avoid the things that cause them to live outside of that agape love for one another. And instead, cherish and, and deeply desire the word of God that has the power to transform them. So we use that as a launching point, and, and this is what we see. We see back now, we're talking now their vertical relationship, kind of this back and forth now, back up to their heavenly father. And he says that this interesting uh, verb, that they're drawing near. This isn't a, a past tense verb or some completed action that it happened a long time ago. It's a present tense verb. As you are drawing near, as though it's not as though you drew near to God in the moment of your salvation and, and that was about it. Man, it is a daily reality. We are drawing ourselves near. This, other, this verb would be also understood as attaching ourselves to this living stone. Now, that's a fascinating phrase. Uh, just think about that just for a second. When have you ever heard the adjective living connected to the word stone? That's easy, one of the easiest things. That's a non-living thing. But here, Peter flips it and he says, no, you're attached to the living stone. And that's a reference, obviously, to when we began this study. Chapter 1, verse 3, Peter says that Jesus is our living hope. Our living hope. So he's connecting the dots now throughout this uh, letter so far to talk about this idea that Jesus is this living Savior, this hope, this stone, this Messiah. In that, then this is what he calls them to. He says, you too are these living stones and you're being built into a spiritual house to be a part of this holy priesthood who offers sacrifices to God through Jesus. Whew. 
That's a lot. That's a lot I just said. But let's, let's unpack it a little bit. First off, we see a word that's become very familiar to us. Look in your notes. Uh, in verse 5, we see the word oikos. Oikos, and it's used actually twice, two forms of the same word in just one phrase. It says the verbal form is that they're being built into then also the noun form as well as this idea of a house. So two times, just in one little phrase, is this idea of oikos. Now, we talk a lot about that word. We use it to describe your relational world. And I'll show you in a minute. I, I think that actually still might be the case of what Peter's going after. Here's why I say that. <clears throat> Peter, even his name means rock. So he's kind of using an interesting illustration. And in so doing, it would totally make sense that the understanding is that they are being built into this spiritual house. The, the word oikos can mean that. It can literally mean the brick and mortar parts of a building that someone would call a home. <clears throat> but like we use it for all the time, it also relates to your household, the people that you do life with the most. And, and so within that, I think it actually, when he goes on to say that they're also not just being built into a house, but they're a holy priesthood, I think he is kind of talking about that idea of you're included in the household of God because no longer is the priesthood being based on being connected by, by blood as in the family of Levi, the Levitical priesthood, now being in a, a holy priest unto God is because they're connected through the great high priest through Jesus himself. They're, in, they're connected to him, they're now in his household. And that's just a beautiful, powerful picture. Then um, I want you to see that the Apostle Paul, writing to the Ephesian church, had some things to say similarly with a group of people who were struggling to know how do we fit in because we don't have this long heritage of being a part of the Jewish people. Look at what the Apostle Paul says. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, same phrase, built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, watch, with Christ Jesus himself, and here's that word as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So we see a real parallel idea between those two concepts, between Peter and Paul. Peter then goes on to quote the prophet Isaiah, and he talks about this, this interesting thing we'll discuss in a second, this cornerstone. What does that even mean to us? And he talks about um, that this cornerstone was one that God had decided would have great value. Here's that quote from Isaiah 28, 16. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. Look at this last phrase. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. Man, I think if I would have read those words to us maybe three months ago, that would have been like, oh. I think in today, this month of April, there are degrees in which many of us have faced panic, anxiety, fear. And I love that. The one who relies on this cornerstone will never be stricken with panic. 
And that's a little bit of a side note, but take that to the bank. So this conjures up, when I think of this phrase, it makes me think of songs that we sing often, like the one we did last week, Cornerstone, or the song Build My Life. All of those have reference to building upon this foundation, this unique cornerstone called Jesus. Now, I'm no ancient contractor, but I do know enough from sermons I've heard and commentaries I've read that that a contractor in that day would take this cornerstone and, and laying it upon the foundation, it would become the point from which every measurement is made. This was the baseline. This was the reference point that the rest of the building would work from was this. So the cornerstone absolutely had incredible value and worth. We'll see a little bit more about that right away. Let's take a look. Number two in your notes. For many, Jesus isn't a foundation, but a stumbling block. For many, Jesus isn't a foundation. Instead, he's a stumbling block. Look at the next part of our passage from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. Now he's going to make a contrast. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And the stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Let's unpack that. There's a lot going on there. This is where it begins. So Peter's going to make a contrast. He says, man, for you, those of you who put your hope in Christ, if you're watching today and you're someone who has said, man, I recognize my need for a savior. I believe in what Jesus has done on the cross in the empty tomb. He's done that for me. You look to Jesus and you recognize him for who he is. This, this cornerstone, and it uses the word precious, of great value and of great worth. So that's, that's what he's after. But then now he's going to contrast that with those who are unconvinced. The, the word literally, those who refuse to be persuaded, <clears throat> this stone isn't something at all that has merit and worth. Instead, it's rejected. And it literally becomes a tripping hazard. The, the word couldn't be more clear. A stumbling block is exactly that. We'll talk about it in a second. Peter begins by quoting back to Psalm 118. Let me show you that in the, the fuller context. He says, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, or the cornerstone, I'm sorry. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is what he's saying. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, meaning this stone got pitched, we don't need it. And then at the end of the day, though, like the underdog, this actually becomes not just a stone in the foundation. This becomes the pivot. This becomes the cornerstone by which we actually measure everything else. So it's a total underdog idea. And from that, what we see is we see that there's obviously a, an allusion to that of Jesus and the way that he presented himself as Messiah, but was rejected by the, the people. And as a result, though, through the cross, through the empty tomb demonstrated he absolutely was who he um, presented himself to be. That's why this living stone is of such great value to you because you understand and you know its worth. But you didn't need me today to tell you that there's a great throng of people on the planet today. You didn't need me to tell you that there's a myriad of people over the last 2,000 years you didn't need me to tell you that there is a significant number of people in your relational world who would fit this bill of being people who have, as of now, refused to be persuaded. They are unconvinced that Jesus is who the Bible reveals him to be. 
And it's to that group that Peter writes of their outcome, those who have rejected the cornerstone. He goes back and again, you're seeing a trend today. He is quoting the prophet Isaiah. Let's look at what he says in the fuller context. He says, do not call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the only one to dread. Watch this. He will be a holy place. And look what it goes on to say. These are powerful words. For both Israel and Judah, he will be, the, Yahweh, the Lord, will be a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Many of them will stumble. They will fall and be broken. They will be snared and captured. So we see this, I, I wanted to give you that fuller picture, and what Isaiah is saying is he's saying, hey, God is actually, these are God's unique chosen people, but even for them, they will be tripped up by what he is going to do, what he's going to introduce, how he is going to save, they're not going to see it. Peter, to our, our passage today in 1 Peter 2, Peter uses a Greek word, scandalon, and it sounds a lot like an English word that we use, the word scandal. And what that word literally means, it's the mechanism closing a trap down, very specific wording, or a means of stumbling. So it focuses on the method of the entrapment, or it could be just very clear, as we've seen today, uh, the idea that a rock is in a path, and I'm walking along doing my thing and totally trip, that, that's the meaning of this word. So scandalon, from which we get our English word scandal. Here's my question, though, to you. How can both of these things be true? How can Jesus be this valued, this of great worth cornerstone to you and me who put our faith in him, but to others, how can Jesus be a point of tripping, a tripping hazard, a stumbling block? How does those two things happen? Well, I, I thought I'd show you. So take a look at this video. Mitch, of course, set a career high with an 11-game hitting streak last month. Loops one to left, that's going to fall for a base hit. Here comes Fielder around third, and he falls down. The throw comes into home. Branch trying to cut the bag at third. And he had the carpet pulled out from under him. He's giving his teammates a little comic relief. with a purpose and threw a one-hop throw to the plate. It would have been a pretty close play to play. Let's see if we can see what happened to Prince. Hook first slide, yep. Three-point landing. Now, for some of you, I just knew you needed a shot at Dodger baseball. And the fact of seeing a team that they were playing, I think that clip is from 2015, uh, you just need a little bit of baseball in your life right now. So you're welcome. Uh, for others of us, it's funny to watch some sports bloopers, and that's what happened to Cecil Fielder. His teammates had a heyday, you could tell, with his faux pas. But here, here's the illustration I want you to see. Uh, think of third base. 
Third base was third base in the sense that, think of the two different people, whoever was up to bat, that left-handed batter, to the batter, third base became an incredibly important line because it drew a line all the way from third base into the outfield, all the way to the, the home run track to be able to say, this is what's inbounds. So as the batter hit the ball, that actually, that line became super important that it designated this ball is in play, it's, it's fair ball. But to the runner who was turning the base path, when he hit third base, he tumbled, fell right on his face. We all had a great laugh. Here's the point. Third base was the same base. It just mattered on how you interacted with it. To one, it demonstrated this is a base hit. To the other, it made them fall down and not be able to score on what should have been an easy run home to home plate. Now, obviously, the illustration might be a little bit of fun today, but the bigger picture of this story is not fun at all. Because the idea is, is if we are actually a people who to trip over this unique cornerstone, this Messiah that God has brought, the consequences are much more severe than our teammates laughing at us. This is the way that Paul wrote it when he wrote to the Corinthian church. He said it this way, captured it so well, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, and look at what that message communicates, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. So that's everybody on the planet, one of those two categories, stumbling block or foolishness. But to those, and watch this, for those of you watching who put your faith in Jesus, to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, and the word called is going to be important, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Not stumbling block, not foolishness, power of God, wisdom of God. So th th those are just great, really helpful to get our, our heads around that. And so this is what we'll notice. Um, why the unconvinced stumble, Peter gives an explanation, because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Now, the first part of that phrase, I think that we can all kind of wrap our heads around. They, they disobey the message, um, uh, and, and what was supposed to happen when this good news of the gospel intersects with their life is a response of faith, a response of confidence, a response of trust. So as a result of disobeying that message, not responding appropriately, there's this consequence. But then there's that last phrase that you heard me read, that idea of which is also what they were destined for. What does that mean? I want to say today, we don't have time to launch into the doctrine of election. The primary reason is, I don't think that's what Peter's wanting to do here. He has been setting up a contrast in this part of Second, or First Peter 2 that we're looking at today. And what he's doing is he's contrasting these two of those who find great value in the cornerstone as well as those who reject it, who stumble over it. And he's saying that on both fronts, there is a destiny, there is a calling that refers to both. So let me say just two quick things about this idea of the doctrine of election that's at least alluded to in Peter's words. The first is this. If you're here and, and there's a, 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 just a sense of confusion or tension, how could it that the God of the universe in sending his son presents a, a stumbling block to some of his created beings? And to that I would say this. Before God did a work in your life, Jesus was a stumbling block to you. 
meaning there's not a one of us who entered into this world already right with God. We all were living apart from him on our own, and we saw Jesus as something that we didn't need, that we didn't need to put our confidence and our hope and our trust in. And as a result, he was to us a stumbling block, but it was through a work that God did in our lives and his mercy on us that that all changed. So we all begin at that same baseline level. But the second thought is what's probably on your mind is someone in your life, a family member, a close friend, a work associate, a, a peer at school, somebody that you know that as of now is not convinced that Jesus is who the Bible communicates him to be. And I have people in my mind that are coming to my mind right now as I'm sharing these words with you. And, and to that, there's a bit of a tension. What do you mean, Todd, that they've been destined to be apart from God? And here's what I would say to that. The biggest thing I want you to hear today is this. The story of their life is not yet done being written. God is still at work. And the best thing you can do for that kind of angst or that kind of concern, pray. Pray that God would do what he had to do in your life, that he would awaken you and pray that God would send people like you into these lives, into his life, into her life, so that your Jesus influence in their life would be something that God would use like God used other people in your life as well. Finally today, number three, as we look at our notes, people who are identified by God are to make his identity known. People who are identified by God are to make his identity known. Here's what I mean by that. Listen to these powerful words that describe you today. But you, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That key word, that you may uh, declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Take a look at those four descriptors at the beginning of that part of our passage today. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. I just wanna give you some space today, just a moment, and I want you to consider these descriptions of who you are and the family of God you've been adopted into and, and let what God says about you just kind of drip over your head and your heart today. God says that you're chosen. God says that you're holy. God says that you're royal. God says that you're his special possession. Those are powerful things, and if you're doubting your value, your worth today, let me tell you that because of Christ, because of your identity in him, this is how the Father sees you. So as we look at these descriptors, they're so encouraging, and they're meant to be that to you today, just like they were to Peter's readers then. And they just scream this uniqueness, this calling, this chosenness about the people of God. And then you saw that, um, that purpose statement, that, so that, all of these things are true. And because of them, you are called to be a people who declare out the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Man, that's a powerful thing. That message is to be communicated in a melancholy or morose way. 
Those words are meant to be celebrated. So let's see that in your notes. The gospel is a celebratory message that is meant to be communicated in a celebratory way. Man, if that, if, there, if that was ever true, this passage just rings that idea. The gospel is a celebratory message meant to be communicated in a celebratory way. And that now that you do know that you've been uniquely chosen, now that you do understand better today whose you are, listen to these great words. John Piper uh, connects the dots so well. Look at what he says. Christian selfhood is not defined in terms of who we are in and of ourselves. It's defined in terms of what God does to us and the relation he creates with us and the destiny, there's that word again, destined, the destiny he appoints for us. Listen to this last part of the phrase, God made us who we are so we could make known who he is. Man, that's, that's a quotable statement right there. God made us who we are so we could make known who he is. Our identity is for the sake of making known his identity. And I told you earlier today that that's, that was going to be an opportunity for us in today's passage to really further equip, to really further prepare you to be a people rooted in Jesus when you understand your identity and you're reaching your world. But here's a question, how? especially in this sheltering in place season that we're in, how, how are we to declare these praises of what God has done for us? Maybe for some of us, you've got the idea, you're sitting there right now and maybe in your living room and, and you're processing, you're looking around, who's around. Maybe it's every single morning, 6 a.m., get a pan, get a metal spoon, rouse your family up, let them know how great God is and what he's done for you. I'm gonna tell you that's a bad idea. That's a really bad idea. And it's a bad idea, number one, because you're gonna irritate everyone in your home. And number two, it's not gonna fulfill the purpose of why we declare and, and what, for what purpose we are declaring the greatness of God. So, so let's do this. Let's give some other handles. Let's do think of the people that you're sheltering in place with. Let's think of that group of people that you're doing daily life with. Simple question, is it obvious in your conversations in your actions, your behaviors, and your attitudes, that God really has uniquely chosen you and that you are with your life declaring his greatness, celebrating his goodness. That, that's a powerful thing to stop and think about. And by the way, remember what we said early on, we're gonna see more of this beginning next week. Peter is writing to a group of people, Jesus followers who are young in their faith. They're suffering for their faith. Everybody in the world is suffering to a degree and having difficulties, but not because we're Christians, just because we're humans. The letter Peter writes are people suffering because they put their faith in Jesus. And even some might be wondering, God, are you even listening? I love you, but why am I being persecuted for loving you? Those were the issues they were facing. And Peter's saying, even in light of those realities, you're called to be a people who declare who God is and what he's done for you. So let's think through a couple other lenses of what that might look like even beyond your home. So many of you are on social media, maybe more than ever before. And, and what a great opportunity to say, you know what, I want the posts 
that I put out there that the people who are following me or might ultimately get, get, get it on their screen, I want them to see that I am indeed representing Jesus well. In our own Trinity Facebook group and other posts that I'm watching, I'm connected to many of you, I would say by and large you're doing such a great job of that. There is such a sense of encouragement, such a sense of hope, and such a sense of declaring with celebration the goodness of God, even in the midst of challenging times. We wanted to do something this week and make this super simple for you. And I just really want to challenge you. I want you to do this for me this week. What you would have found maybe even before you got to our site today for this uh, message on our Facebook page and on our Instagram page today is this slide. And how cool is this? You're just taking the, the truth of this message and even though you're limited, you're using your social media ability. I am declaring the praises of the God who called me out of darkness into his light. I would just challenge you today, repost this. Repost this to your Instagram, repost this to Facebook if you're on Twitter, but grab those images off of our social media on Trinity Church Redlands and repost those today. And even just in a subtle way, well, it's not subtle, that's pretty obvious, but in a cool way via social media, make known the greatness and the goodness of God. Another way that you can do that, many of you are working from home and the way that you're doing that is through a lot of video conferencing. Simple question, how do you declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light over a video conference? And I will say for me, uh, because we've talked before, it, it just seems so weird and wooden and odd and awkward just to kind of blurt Jesus into a video conference conversation. But I would say this, and for some of you it comes so naturally, you've already done that multiple times. But I would encourage you, be praying for an opportunity. It might not be to dozens, it might just be in one conversation back and forth. Be praying for an opportunity. God, would you create an organic way for me to declare your goodness <clears throat> to the people who are watching on the other side? Maybe it goes to even just those who are calling and texting you, people who are in your relational world. Simple question, how do you declare the, the the praises, the goodness of God in, in that situation. And I just want to encourage you, can the people that you're communicating with, can they sense that you're someone who really is finding your hope and your satisfaction and your joy in who Jesus is and what he's done for you, that God has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light? Let's think of ways we can be a people of influence because that's a big deal to us. Look at this, long before any of this happened, this is one of our core values at Trinity Church. Your calling is to influence your world with Jesus. And even when your personal um, geography, being with people is limited. Man, there's all kinds of great ways through social media, internet, texting, phone calling, that you can still do this. So I want to encourage you, be creative, be thoughtful, and be a person of Jesus' influence. We wrap it up by simply saying this today, why? Why does all this make sense? And it really does when you think about this, because it just comes down to this. When you realize that uh, what God has done for you, though you are scattered, Though you are in exile as it were right now, you know that as the people of God, as you have been identified today, that you're included. You're now included, you're a part of his household. And though you once were disobedient and were in darkness, now you've not only been called into the light, but God has shown you mercy. He has not given you what you deserve. And that is such great news. 
That is something worth celebrating. So to this week, here's our now what statement one more time as we finish today. Now that you know whose you are, celebrate and communicate God's greatness to your world. Let me pray for us as we close our time today. Father God, we come before you as a people distant and seemingly disconnected. And while that might be true geographically, it is not true related to the fact that we share the same spirit who indwells us. We have the same Bibles that we've been looking at today that informs us and reveals you to us. And we have this ability, God, to know and walk in your presence in such a a palpable, significant way. Today, God, would you encourage your people? Would you remind us of whose we are And would you send us out this week being a people engaging our purpose, declaring your goodness, your greatness in all avenues, all ways that we just can in this situation. If you're here today and you would say, Todd, I don't know necessarily that I'm ready yet to declare the greatness and goodness of God because I'm back to one of those people who has seen Jesus as a stumbling block, a a tripping hazard, but I'm, I'm seeing him different today. I'm ready to respond to the invitation of the gospel the way that the Bible has made it available. And it begins by A, admitting. Admitting that you are someone who is under the oppression of sin. You were born with a sinful nature. You've demonstrated it by a sinful behavior. You need a savior. B, believe. Believe that Jesus is the only savior available, that there is no one else who accomplished for you, who could accomplish for you what he did in a sinless life, his sacrificial death, and a supernatural resurrection. C is choose. Choose to put your hope, your trust, your confidence in what Jesus did for you, believing that now that makes you right with the Father. You can be included in his family today. And my prayer is that you would. My prayer is that you would take this great news and do what it was always intended to do, receive it by faith, respond to it today, and let Jesus indeed be your cornerstone. Father, we love you. Help us to be a people of Jesus' influence this week. We pray in Jesus' great name, amen. Now, I want to remind you before you leave today, right after I'm done, there's going to be a slide on the screen that's uh, creating a way for you. If you would like prayer, we have our ministry leaders who are ready to pray via Zoom with you today. So I'd say take us up on that. Otherwise, have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.